Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rick J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from North Carolina. Today is Monday, November 29th, 2021. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 101, the fourth paragraph, beginning with, you will note that we made, and we are reading through that paragraph only, which ends on page 102. Today's readers are Jeannie P., The Twelve Steps, Kim T., The Twelve Traditions, and our big book readers are Julie R. in the text, Nancy P. on page 164, and Pete B. is our backup reader. Our newcomer greeter is Leon B., and our second-hour moderator is Maria F. The share ID for Sunday, November 28, 2021, is 18,151. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Overeaters Anonymous is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. Our fifth OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. A division for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jeannie P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Jeannie P. from Arkansas, gratefully recovered overeater. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Jeannie. I will now ask Kim T. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. Oh, excuse me, probably my voice. Good morning. This is Kim T., uh, compulsive overeater in snowy northern Michigan. Uh, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public's relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Kim. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, at the end of which I'll give you a gentle reminder. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 101, the fourth paragraph, beginning with, you will note we made, and reading through that paragraph only, ending on page 102. I will now ask Julie R. to begin reading. Hi, thank you, Rick. Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You will note that we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social business or personal reason for going to this place, or am I expecting to steal a little <clears throat> vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactory, you need have no apprehension. Go or stay away, whatever, whichever seems best, but be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it, but if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. Again, Julie R., compulsive overeater. Um, you know, this is pretty clear. Again, I don't have to have any guesswork. It's asking me um, that there's some important qualifications, right? And uh, in the paragraph above, if I have a legitimate reason, right, going to bars, nightclubs, dances, weddings, et cetera, you know, once we become recovered, we just don't stay in a bubble. 
you know, I mean, we're, we're to live. We have a new way of living, a design for living. We're, we're going to be free. We're going to have a transformation. But if I am planning on going somewhere and I'm not feeling neutral or if I am having a lot of apprehension, et cetera, I need to see why, why do I need to go. Because if I'm not on, on fit spiritual ground, a lot of things can happen. One, obviously, first is my emotional sobriety is going to be out the window. And I'm not going to be any good to anybody. I'm not going to be of service. It's going to be all about me. Um, and that's not what we, we go to functions for, right? We go to see what we could do for other people to be selfless. It's like this is the perfect time of the year. A lot of holidays are going on. Um, and a lot of you know I bake. I bake a lot. I bake two to 3,000 cookies. But before I start my baking, which will be next weekend, I'm going to sit down in prayer and see, is this the right time to do it? Um, I have a lot of things going on in my life, you know, uh, upcoming retirement, all of these things. So I have to check in with God. Is this the right time for me to be doing baking? And if I have an inkling that it's not the right time, then I'm going to listen to my creator. And the last sentence, it says, think of what you could bring to it. But if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. And, you know, we started with the paragraph on page 89 on this chapter where it says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with another alcoholic. So I have to ask my questions, you know, anytime that I'm invited somewhere, what's my motive? Can I be of service? What can I bring to the party, not what can I get out of the party? And um, again, this is like the favorite time of the year for me because I am such a social person and I do go to a lot of parties. I do go to a lot of functions. I host a lot of functions. And, um, but I always check in with God, is this the right time to do it? Because I can't just rely on Julie because Julie um, gets herself into trouble when she's not with her, with her God and I'm not aligned. Um, and with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you so much for getting us started, Julie. Before we get our first group of names, just a reminder that although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Please give me your first name only and the first initial of your last name. Who would like to share on what was read today? Larry K. Good morning. M. Who was that? Sorry. Edini M. Adini Judith M. S. P. Nancy K. Okay, hold on. So far, I've got uh, I've got Larry K. Adini M. Judith S. P. Nancy P. Who else wants to start us off? And also Nancy T. Both of us piped up at the same time there. Oh, Nancy T. is in Tom? Both Nancy P. and Nancy T. piped in. Oh, both Nancy P.'s. Okay, gotcha. Claire e. Nancy, stick together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Claire E., I heard you. All right. So here's who I have to kick us off this morning. I have Larry K, Adini M, Judith S P, Nancy P, Nancy P again, and Claire E. All right, Larry K, you're up, followed by Adini M. Go ahead, Larry. Hey Rick, good morning. 
Thanks so much for your service, Rick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to focus on the uh, actually the very last line. But if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. So when I was reading this, I'm reminded of Bill. You know, he there he's he's pacing the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel in uh, Akron in uh, May of 1935, and and he was experiencing a very real threat to his uh, his sobriety at that point because there was a, a machine tool company that he had hoped to take over, right, by, a, by way of a, a, a stock uh, proxy fight. And he had his group of investors, and they were trying to convince the existing shareholders to vote for a takeover. Well, it, well, it goes bad. And, and there he is. He's craving a drink, probably, uh, you know, his, his grapefruit juice and gin, his favorite drink. And he's contemplating his options. And, and he narrows his options, his choices down to just two. Pick up the disease or pick up the payphone and find a recovering uh, alcoholic and ask for help so that he could stay sober. You know, pick up the disease, pick up the pumpkin pot, right? Dial your cell phone or find another compulsive overeater. That's, that's how we do it. And, and the thing is, Bill knew that the choice he made that day came with, uh, with high stakes. I mean, as an alcoholic who he, he nearly uh, drank himself to death, Numerous hospital stays. We know the, the whole deal at Towns Hospital. And it was only weeks earlier that he cried out for divine mercy in the hospital, right? But remember, he said, if there, if there be a God, let him show himself. See, we're all going to encounter a threat to our sobriety at some point. And here's the thing for me. Bill didn't experience some like divine blaze of inspiration in the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel. Maybe he did in Towns Hospital, but not, not that day. He only saw the dim lights of the bar and the lure of the drink. You know, trust me, I doubt he felt a wave of joy and serenity as he's pacing towards the church directory. You know, and, and nor when he picked up the phone. He was shaky. They say he was shaky. He was full of anxiety. He was probably irritated as hell that he wasn't having a nice drink. And, and, um, and Bill makes a series of calls to a bunch of ministers. And, and yet the last of the calls, I think there were nine calls put him in touch with an alcoholic surgeon at some point by the name of Bob Smith, and we know that. And what happens next? You know, if we fast forward, Bill simply told the stranger of his drinking history, and Dr. Bob identified it with immediately. That's what we do. Bottom line, we get through the scrapes, and, and Bill didn't eat the pumpkin pie. He didn't take the drink. And because he didn't, is it too far of a stretch to acknowledge that you and I are studying this book here, December or uh, November 29, 2021. So it's important when I'm on shit. Thanks, Rick. It's important that when I'm on shaky ground, I've got to find another compulsive reader to uh, to try and help. And in doing so, I'm helping myself. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry. A DDM. You're up next, followed by Judith SP. And just a reminder to also include your state when you introduce yourself. Go ahead, Adini. Thank you, Rick, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. This is all about weighing and measuring our thoughts on a daily basis, on a minute-to-minute basis. What are our choices and the consequences from those choices? You know, going through the steps gives us a spiritual foundation 
that gives us spiritual principles to live by. So this paragraph is telling me to take inventory on where I'm standing before making any kind of decision of where I'm going, you know, what will what will be there, who will be there, will anything or anyone trigger me, you know, what is my qualification, what are my intentions, am I going to a place or a gathering to take something for myself or to give, am I going for self-seeking reasons, what are my reasons, is it self-satisfaction or selfless satisfaction, what is my intention, what are my motives, to be of service to others and lend a helping hand and be supportive? So I can only answer these questions when I see where I'm standing. What kind of foundation am I standing on? Am I in quicksand or on shaky grounds? If so, gosh, I better turn to my fellows because I need help. Or am I standing on spiritual foundation that's supporting me with spiritual principles that's carrying me with integrity, with self-discipline, with love, spiritual awareness, and service. Thank you, and I pass. All right. Thank you so much, Adini M. from New York. Judith S.P., you're up next, followed by Nancy P. from Massachusetts. And again, we're reminding everyone, if you did share uh, Friday or Thursday, please step back and let others share. Go ahead, Judith. Hi again. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Um, Yeah, this paragraph really speaks a lot, as was mentioned, with all the holidays and things we're uh, faced with or welcoming at this point in time. Um, I know I'm a spiritual being in a human body. And working the steps has given me, as just mentioned, the um, spiritual foundation so that I can continue the work on my spiritual fitness every moment of every day. When I go somewhere, it is important to do an immediate inventory. What's my motive? Why am I going? Pre-program. I would go places, and it was all about me. I don't know about anyone else, but particularly if I was going to a function, and I'm not a fashion uh, guru by any means, but I would try to look my best. I'd make sure my hair looked good. Uh, You know, I was really ready to roll. And when I got to where I was, most of the time I wanted people to notice, well, here she is. She's come into the room and uh, pretty self-centered. And in program, in this way of living, I am learning, moment by moment, a shift that I never thought would happen, which is service to others, giving of myself only with God's direction. And when when I read this paragraph, I realize it's not only about going places. It's where am I going to put my next step? When I see someone in my home and I'm going to interact with them, am I going to be consciously connected to God so that I choose in that moment, am I going to be quiet? Am I going to be loving? Am I going to say you have something on the shoulder of your sweater? Can I whisk it away? Or am I going to just smile and move on? No judgment, no expectation. I am here 
in every moment to serve other people. And what a shift. I don't even know if a 180-degree turnaround is, is dramatic enough. And coming from a place of love, I can hold on and live in my spiritual foundation and have that channel with God so clear because I'm cleaning every day that if I'm shaky, I reach out. I reach out to those still suffering. If they want my hand, wonderful. If they don't, I've offered it. As this step says, I try to carry the message. I am not the message, and I do Just not expect anyone else, thank you, Rick, to give me a good feeling. So with that, I will pass and have a blessed day. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Judy Chef P. Nancy P. from Massachusetts. You're up next, followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, uh, Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts, recovered today. This is an excellent paragraph, and all the shares have been excellent. I, um, I can't even begin to say what you know, what my life is like today versus what it used to be like. And um, Wednesday, December 1st, will mark the fourth year, um, the fourth December 1st that I, will have be, that I will be dialing into a vision for you. And I have not had to hurt myself with food since that day. And, um, you know, what I can say about this is I feel like I have to do this stuff all the time. I did do it all the time. In the beginning, you know, I was eating nonstop, whether I was at work, whether I was at home, whether I was in my car, all the time. And when I began to recover, when I was working with a, um, a sponsor, I was on the phone if, unless I was at work, sleeping, or in the car with my family, or like eating dinner with my family. I was on the phone. So it reminds me, I go back to Bill's story where it says, the joy of living we really have even under pressure and difficulty. And I say the joy of living I have, especially under, you know, pressure and difficulty, because this, this works no matter what, all the time. And I make sure that it works because I have never stopped doing every single thing that I was told to do in the beginning. I don't take anything for granted. I don't, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I make a lot of phone calls. I stay on the phone with people and people that call me and they say whatever they want to say, you know, they do a 10 step or they make an outreach call. They have something that they want to discuss. My solution is always, my answer is always the, pro, the, the same thing. Surrender and call somebody that I don't know and don't talk about myself or call somebody that I do know and don't talk about myself because why would I want to do that? That's just sitting in the same old yucky stew. And, um, because of all that, because I never stop, because I remain in fit spiritual condition, you know, lightweights, high reps, right? I, I make phone calls all the time. I stay in touch. I go to a lot of meetings. I do service at the meetings. I, you know, I do whatever I can. I, I serve it. I, I provide a ready ear, willing, <clears throat> eager, eager hands to help at all the time. And because I, I do that all the time, I don't have to worry about going or staying away, whichever seems best. I just sort of float along. I mean, anybody can can cruise along the road of happy destiny when things are going well, but the ones that stay with it, even when things are going badly or even when I'm gripped by fear or rage or whatever, you know, I, I never stop doing this work is what was, you know, as what's described in the book. I mean, you know, the answer is always action, but it's appropriate action, not busy work. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, busy work would be if I, 
we were talking about myself. I don't do that. And I'll wrap up with this. I, I loved um, the, spe- the first speaker's um, talk about her social life. I am um, pretty antisocial, but at this time of Just year, I can't avoid it. My, I will wrap up. My, my life does tick up a bit. And this will be my four. I had two Thanksgiving dinners that I sat without a problem. I'll bake also a thousand cookies this year and won't have so much as a chocolate chip, a sprinkle, or a jimmy. And I'm, I'm like floating down the road of happy destiny. And I invite anybody who has anything to say about anything to call me up at any time. I'd love to chat. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Nancy P. from Massachusetts. All right. The other Nancy P. Thanks, Rick. It's actually Nancy T. as in Tom. Oh, okay. Got it's, it. It sounds real familiar. We'll forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the the sentence that really stood out for me, um, the crux of it, and now my phone just decided to do a blip. Um, hold on, I'm sorry, I just lost my, oh, here it is. Sorry about that. Um, is right in the middle of the paragraph. Be sure, but be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. You know, a lot of people have talked about that because that really is, isn't that what I need to do in any situation I encounter? The whole reason I start my day connecting with my spiritual power, because I was created a spiritual being. And what happened to me is that for some reason, all these character defects get in the way. I develop them, they get in the way, and they block me from this power. So the 12 steps have shown me a way to first get clean from whatever the substance is, but then to look at what are those character defects that are blocking me and keeping me from having that spiritual connection. And then after I'm reconnected, I got to stay spiritually fit, not just for what it's talking about in these last several paragraphs that we've read, for when we encounter situations that are going to be maybe difficult or in the disease would be impossible, but in day-to-day living as well, I have got to be spiritually fit. And if not, I'm going to turn to the food instead of to God. And I, I just can't afford to do that today. It, you know, t- it tells me in the very first sentence there that this is an important qualification they're making. So it's telling us right off the bat, this is important. Make sure you ask yourself, what's my motive? You know, why am I going there? I got a small example of that. The day before Thanksgiving was my mother's 87th birthday. So her um, favorite cake ever is chocolate cheesecake. So I ordered a special one from a bakery for her, and we were going to have it after our Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, if I ordered it from a bakery and I was able to go in the bakery and pick it up, and it didn't even dawn on me to salivate over all the things that were in that bakery. And it's like Julie said when she first shared, if there was an issue, if I was shaky at all, if there was any hesitation, I'm not going to go in there. My recovery is too important to me today. And it's dependent on me making sure I'm spiritually fit before I do things like that. But it, it wasn't even an issue. I didn't have to wish I could have. And I'll just end with kind of a funny story about that same cheesecake because Everybody at the meal who was here that day didn't have room for the cheesecake, including my mom. So the next day I went over and I had to help her cut it up into smaller pieces to put in her freezer because otherwise the cheesecake would have went bad. 
I can tell you that would have never happened with me in the disease. I'm serious. You're telling me one cheat cake is too much. <laughs> anyway, I just have to kind of, we have to laugh at ourselves sometimes so that um, we're not crying because this is serious business. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share. And with that, I'm going to pass. All right. Thanks, Nancy T. And Claire E., you're up next, and we'll get another list of names. Go ahead, Claire. Thanks so much, Rick. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from the UK, but I'm currently in Florida. Um, yeah, this is a great paragraph, and it's relevant to me today. And it's always, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good one to point people towards as well. I love the uh, practicality of this part of the book. Um, <clears throat> so yes, we talked about notice already, and I think what's what the, the bits that I'm picking up on is um, you know, that we have choice. It says go or stay away. Um, and I can get very much, I mean, one of my big problems is people pleasing. And um, quite often when I'm looking at social occasions, my, my two big ones are, are that I'm tired and that I'm going because I'm keeping someone else happy or I'm trying to keep somebody else happy. And I feel compelled. I feel I've got no choice. And I think this is really good because it reminds me that I do always have a choice if I'm not feeling good, if I'm not, if I am wobbly. You know, there is plenty I can do. I can stay away. I can get myself on spiritual, solid spiritual ground before I start. If I have enough notice, <laughs> if I have a little bit of time, um, you know, I can make those phone calls. I can get on my knees and ask. I can rest. I can, I can challenge my motives. I can do a step 10 if I need to do a step 10. Now, I can clear that channel to my higher power in order to get some guidance about, you know, whether I should go or not. And, and that's who I should take it to, really. It's like to ask myself what my motive is, actually what I need to do is ask my higher power what the right thing is to do, the next right thing. And um, and I really love the bit where it comes on to, you know, obviously see what I can get, or see what I can bring to it. And I think for me as well with social occasions and even family stuff sometimes, you know, I can really feel like I have to be the life and soul. You know, I have to be the, the raison d'etre. And, you know, quite often these days I'm, I'm, I'm just learning that actually what I can bring to it is I can listen. I can listen to other people. I can be present. I can be curious. I can ask questions. I can, I can, you know, I can, I can actually bring other stuff to it. I can, um, yes, yeah, so be, be a listener rather than a talker. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm over in the states at the moment. I've arrived. I haven't seen my dad for two years. He lives over here. Um, I find my stepmother quite challenging, and my dad, poorly, he's got motor neuron disease. So I didn't, I didn't even know I'd be here. And um, yesterday, I was getting abstinent foods around Whole Foods, and um, <laughs> for me, as a someone in the UK it's all these different foods that this this applies to all sorts of situations you know even going to the supermarket what is my motive for going there you know I actually did need to get food yesterday but I can even go to a supermarket expecting some vicarious pleasure staring at things I don't usually eat and I just have to always make sure I'm solid spiritual ground before I go I ask my high power to come with me I said several prayers in that supermarket yesterday I said several prayers and made several phone calls before I went for dinner with them last night and, um, you know, I find that, you know, as long as I can take my higher power with me wherever I go and just know I've got that channel open, then then I'm good. I'm good to go. It doesn't bother me. The food is neutral. Um, and if it's not the case, I need to stay away. I need to value my sobriety. I need to value my food recovery enough to know that I'm not superhuman and I can't go to these things if I'm if I'm shaky and wobbly. I don't want to risk any recovery issues. I um, will leave it's it there. Reminder. Thank you. Oh, wow. Perfect timing. And thank you, Claire. All right, so before we uh, continue with our second group of names, we are in the chapter, Working with Others, on page 101, the fourth paragraph, beginning with, you will note that we made, and we're reading through that paragraph only, which ends on page 102. 
Although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you please limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. In other words, if you did share on Friday or Thursday, please hold back and let others share. Who else would like to share today? Loretta H. All right, got you, Loretta. Oh, I uh, missed both of you guys right there. Elaine R. Elaine R. So you're a little bit muffled. Is it Lorraine R? It's E. Elaine R. Elaine? Jennifer C. Gotcha, Jennifer. Hope B. Hope B. Okay, who else? Did you get Brenda C? I do now. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. All right, so I've got Loretta H. I think it's Elaine R., Jennifer C., Hope B., and Brenda C. Is there anybody who had already given their name that I have not received yet? Susan S.H. Okay, Susan. I think we'll stop there, and then uh, if we have time, we'll get some more names. All right, so Loretta H., you're up next, followed by Elaine R. Go ahead, Loretta. Good morning, Rick, and good morning, everyone who does service on this line and everyone on this meeting who saves my life, along with my precious God, Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. And I like to um, look at um, the spiritual ground before you start. Your motive is thoroughly good. Think about what you can bring. And then um, if you're on shaky ground, you know, you shouldn't be there. And it's interesting, I, I think I shared this last week that I last year at this time, I had a little sponsee and she was on step five and she said that she was gonna bring her ideal relationships to the table. And I have been trying to do that on every occasion with any relationship I have today because this program has taught me how to do relationships First, I have one with God, then I can get one with myself, and then I can get one with others. But it's through the work in these steps that I could um, actually be in a situation where there are other people. And uh, in my case, uh, I have people in program that have been in for a very, very long time. And this is where I have more of my problems with relationships because I want to compare and despair and as a result I've really worked on this bringing that ideal relationship and I come in uh, I've been sharing that with Tabla Rosa a very clean slate I don't have any expectation of anything and I am so grateful for that because it really has shown me how to be a worker among workers and just another bozo on the bus. And um, I can have relationships today with God's grace and mercy if I do bring that ideal relationship in. So what am I going to bring, not what am I going to take? 
And so a lot of it for me was the validation of them that I am also in a, a program and they should hear me out about my sobriety and my abstinence. It's none of their business. I just have to be a, you know, to be able to bring something and see the face of God in them. I'm really trying to do that in everything I do these days. And this program has taught me how to do that. And I am so grateful because today I have a life and I have a family and I have friends. In fact, I spent um, Thanksgiving with um, program people and it was, it's, it's magical. It's just magical. And uh, we were around food and booze and nobody wanted any of it. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Rick. And thank you for your service. Thank you, Loretta. Elaine R., you're up next, followed by Jennifer C. Go ahead, Elaine. Elaine, uh, go ahead and hit star one to unmute. I'm hoping I heard that right. Is there a Elaine R. out there that wanted to share? Or something that sounds sort of like Elaine R., which I might have messed up your name. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, there you are. Go ahead. Elaine, go ahead and, and you can share. You're muted again. Come on. To be having to, are you there? Lane, we're having a hard time hearing you right now. Maybe you can uh, call back in, and, and I'll I'll pick you up on the other side. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jennifer C., and we'll try to get back with you, Elaine. Jennifer C., go ahead. Jennifer C., you can go ahead and uh, hit star one to unmute. Hey, good morning. I thought I was unmuted. Um here we go. Jennifer C. recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for your shares and just your presence on this line this morning. You know, <clears throat> I was thinking this this paragraph brings me back to page 15, Bill's story, where he talks about, you know, self-pity and resentment kind of overtaking him, right? He was plagued by waves of it um, and, and, and went to the town hospital and um, in total despair, right? Went to the old hospital in total despair and would start working with other people. And immediately he said, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. Right. And we know that as we continue to watch for selfishness and self-pity and all the things that crop up, right. We know that we ask God at once to remove them. And then what do we do? Do we overanalyze them? Do we try to figure out, oh, my goodness, am I spiritually fit? Oh, my goodness, what's going on with me today? No, it doesn't say that. It says I ask God to remove them, and then I turn my thoughts to somebody that I can help, right? And it's that simple. It's a very simple formula because here's the thing. I don't always have to figure out what character defects are at play because this book tells me that self-centeredness is the root of my problems, right? So at all times, that's the answer. What's my problem? Self-centeredness. What's my answer? Turn my thoughts to someone that I can love, right? Love and tolerance is my new code today. Love 
and tolerance. I don't try to change anybody else. I focus on, God, who can I love right now? And that's how I get amazingly lifted up, not by overanalyzing myself. Actually, that gets me into trouble most of the time. And why does this work? Why does it amazingly lift me up? Because God is love, right? And I have no effective mental defense against this disease, but God is my defense. And so I step into God. I step into God. And every time I step into God, it works every single time because that's where the power's at, right? Which always brings me back to my third step decision, which is to turn my will and to turn my life over. Why? Why do I, why do, I do that, right? For relief of the bondage of self, relief from the self-centeredness. But ultimately, part of that third step prayer assumes that I'm going to then help others. And the more victory I have in my life today, the more I can speak of thy power, thy love, thy way of life, right? It's all about thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And then I'm reminded that when I'm agitated or doubtful, when I have any fear or doubt, I pause and I ask God, realign me, God, with the right thought. Oh, and by the way, let me keep reminding myself that it's thy will and not mine be done. Thy will, thy power, thy way of life. That's why I have victory today. And the more I channel that towards loving others, I get amazingly lifted up. How awesome is that formula? And with that, I pass. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Jennifer C. from South Carolina. Hope B, you're up next, followed by Brenda C. Go ahead, Hope. And if you're able to, Rick, can you bounce back to Elaine sometime? Oh, absolutely, yes. I will. Uh, Elaine, are you there? I'll give her a chance to come, and if not, you go ahead, Hope. Appreciate that reminder. All right, Hope, go ahead, and then I'll I'll make another call for Elaine as we go through the names. Hope, go ahead and unmute. Yes, this is Hope B. from um, San Diego, California. Um, and um, what I I found very interesting in the paragraph was be, being vicarious, um, using eating, compulsive overeating to be vicarious to other people. And I used to do that, you know, with my husband, I would get him sweets because sweets was my my thing, my trigger food. And I'd give him sweets. I'd make him cookies. I'd make him different things. And I'd watch him eat it. And, and I'd just vicariously just get to the point where, wow, you know, this is amazing, you know, to see him watch it, you know, eat them. And um, it, it just really thrilled me. You know, it, it was like I was eating those cookies myself. Um, but then it got to the point where, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. My sponsor says, you're vicarious with letting him, you know, um, letting him, letting him, letting him help you um, continue to be a compulsive overeater. Um, so I stopped making him cookies, you know, but then I watch him at holiday gatherings and he'd, you know, have plates and plates of dessert. And I got to the point where I couldn't even watch that. Um, 
so now I am neutral in that area. I don't have to deal with watching him eat the plates and plates of desserts. You know, it it doesn't bother me anymore. So it's just really how the promises says that we're we're amazed before we're halfway through. Um, I am totally amazed that by what has happened in my life with with working the program and and working the steps. Thank you for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Hope B. Uh, Elaine R., we're going to circle back around and see if you're standing by and just uh, remind you. I am. Oh, there you are. Go ahead, Elaine. Thank all of you for being patient. I will keep this short. I'm Elaine R., Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the one thing that it says at the very end, if I am not on solid ground, spiritually fit, maybe I don't need to be in a certain place. Maybe, just maybe, I might need to work with another person who might be in the same program that I'm in, who might have more programs than I do. Because somewhere, somehow, working with somebody else might get me away from looking at myself for a moment. I don't know if any of you do this or not. If I walk into a room, I immediately notice who is my size, who is smaller. I'm black. I notice everybody. Where are the minorities? And I do a comparison. And I may or may not feel like I belong there. That's been the story of my program for over 30 years. I don't know where the minorities are all hiding, but they seem not to come to the same meeting as I do. And I go to in a group, they're not there either. So there's a possibility my need, my desire to fit in might not show itself at first. Maybe I need to look for somebody who needs help. Maybe that's why my higher power has me. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elaine. Glad we were able to get you in here. And uh, Brenda C., you are up next, followed by Susan S.H. Go ahead, Brenda. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. um, I'm glad I got a chance to get in. Um, my name is Brenda C. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, comment on this uh, p- particular uh, section. I guess everybody is in that. But if you are on shaky, if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. Um, when I, uh, I just uh, came back from a, a really wonderful vacation with my uh, daughter and, and my grandchildren. And, um, my, you know, I, oh, gosh, this is hard to admit, but, you know, you guys are my fellow, so I, I think maybe somebody can identify with me. It's, I wanted to go on vacation from my program, 
I had been working really, really hard and, and, and going through my steps. And um, I had gotten to the point where um, I was given, give, I had given away, um, you know, those people that I had harmed and um, trying to stop there. And I did not want to take any program with me down to Disney World with my grand, with, with my family. I, 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 and needless to say, I was on shaky ground, and I should have called my sponsor. I should have admitted it. I, you know, um, but I didn't. And and so I'm I'm going back through, you know, like some of the readings and stuff, and trying to figure out what it is that made me just want to. I didn't want to abandon the program. You know, the the twelve steps have saved my life, but I did not want to. You know, like be involved with anything that was program. I wanted to devote my time to my grands, and I don't know. I, I'm still in a um, kind of a mixed, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to figure this one out. I know God has the answer. You know, I know He'll give it to me if I just continue to pray and meditate. But to, but this, I was on shaky ground, and there is no way that I shouldn't have been calling my sponsor every day to to make sure that I was checking in with somebody, you know, to, to um, and letting them know, you know, how much I was struggling um, just to find the, you know, good abstinent food. Um, anyways, I'm going to call, I'm going to pass on that, but I just needed to say that out loud. I hope my sponsor's on the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Brenda C. Could you please give us uh, the state you're calling from, please? Oh, I'm um, North Carolina. All right, Brenda, thank you so much for sharing that. Susan S.H., you're up next, and then we will have time for uh, one or two more. Go ahead, Susan. Good day. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, go or stay away, whatever seems best. It seems to me like prayer first is the key here, asking my higher power into this to help me see my motives honestly. That's a prayer. Think of what I can bring. I need to pray to do that to the situation. I go in praying. I get through scrapes by asking, praying, asking my higher power in, and reaching out to another. And uh, I get help and, and, and help each other in this way. And it, it's so amazing. But, uh, yeah, here it is. When I listen to another asking for help and trust what comes up, it helps both of us. Out of my mouth <laughs> and out of just me, through my higher power, through me, um, come the words that I needed to hear myself. When I reach out for help, higher power puts me in the right place, talking to the right person so often. I couldn't have arranged this. I couldn't have figured out this is how I was going to be helped. But... uh, uh, yeah, let's see if I can pronounce this word. It's a big word. The reciprocity, reciprocity of this path 
never stops amazing me. So often, all I need to do to get help is to reach out to be helpful. And uh, it's a journey that I hope never ends, and I don't think it will end until I quit. (laughs) And I don't intend to quit. So very grateful to be here. Very grateful for the lessons I have learned over holidays, the lessons I have learned over difficulties, and being able to share that with my fellows. So grateful, and I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Susan. All right, I've got time for one more share. Who would like to take that? Take us out. Crystal P. All right, Crystal, you got it. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsible Reader from Toronto, Canada. Uh, What stood out to me today was just what does it mean to be on solid spiritual ground? Because when I came into program, I always thought that that was a feeling, you know, that feeling of just like I feel so good and I feel like I'm, you know, just connected with God and we're just tight and together and um, I feel on top of the world. And I realized that through the last four years of recovery that being on solid spiritual ground doesn't always feel like that. I can't always trust that, can't always trust my feelings. Being on solid spiritual ground is about my actions, not my feelings. So I can wake up one morning and I can feel on top of the world, but if I'm not taking program action, if I'm not applying the 12 steps and have been applying the 12 steps to every aspect of my life, I'm not on spiritual ground. And I can wake up and not be on top of the world. I can feel really sad and um, have difficult feelings, but if I am taking program action and applying the 12 steps, then I am on solid spiritual ground. This past week, um, I've been working through uh, another step four that has brought up so much of emotion and fear and feelings. And this week, I've, you know, I've, I've gone to pick up like a, a, a chocolate, uh, one of those Christmas calendars. I, I actually have like some chocolate in my house right now that I have to go and, you know, give to my family members today. And they don't call to me at all. They're, they're here because I have, it helps me to be useful to other people, but they don't call to me at all, even though I, I'm going through very difficult feelings. So for me, I realize that solid spiritual ground is about action, not a feeling. It's about every day applying the 12 steps to every aspect of my life. And if I'm doing that, then I'm on solid, solid spiritual ground and I'm safe and protected no matter what my feelings tell me for that day. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. All right. Thank you so much, Crystal P. Uh, Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Monday, November 29th, 2021, is 18,154. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy P. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning again. This is Nancy P. calling from Western Massachusetts, recovered today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. That I pass.